Why don't we evangelize? Why don't we tell people how great is our God? A lot of times we talk a lot about why we do evangelize, but I want to look at it from the point of view of why we don't evangelize. So I want you to really quick imagine that you're in a park with your family, just relaxing, maybe reading a book, maybe having a picnic, and you look over and you see a pond and you see a ramp leading up to the pond. And in that pond, there are a bunch of alligators. There's just, it looks terrible. There's another ramp on the other side of the pond. And then you see this. This little guy is right before the ramp and he's revving up and he's about to go for it. What would you do? By the way, this is totally something I would have done at that age. But what would you do if you saw this happening before your very eyes? Would you just be like, man, I can't wait to see how this goes. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Or are you going to do what I would do and just scream no and yell and, and run after this kid, probably tackle him off the bike? You know, there's no way he's making it over this pond. I don't know why my brain is messed up the way it is, but this made me think of evangelism. How many times have we seen people about to do something they shouldn't do, about to go a direction they shouldn't go, but yet we let them, do, we let them go that way. We let them walk away from the Lord. We don't grab them and pull them back in into a hug and be like, God loves you. We want what's best for you. We love you as a church. So this morning, we're going to look at why we don't evangelize, why we don't pull people back from where they don't need to be. So what is evangelism? Evangelism is the spreading or sharing of God's word. It's making believers out of unbelievers. It's saving the lost and helping them get on the path to heaven. But most importantly, it's our job. Evangelism as Christians is our job. Above all the jobs that we do, I know, I don't know what all you do. Um, I'm a youth minister. I know we probably have a lot of, of different jobs in this room. But I need to always remember that my first job is to seek and save the lost. My first job is to help the people around me get to heaven, help the lost be found. So what makes us not want to do our job? What makes us not want to do what we were supposed to, what we were put on this earth to do? If you'll turn with me to Exodus, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to look at Moses. Moses has always made me feel a lot better about myself and my evangelism just because of how much Moses went through. And so if you'll open your Bible with me to Exodus chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 11 of Exodus chapter 3. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? So right off the bat, here's Moses saying, I'm not good enough. I don't make the cut, God. Look for someone else. How many times have we done this in our spiritual walk? How many times have we been afraid because maybe we feel like 
we're not good enough. Maybe we feel like we don't make the cut. But God is here telling us this morning in Jonesboro, Arkansas, that we are good enough, that we made the cut. You look at Jesus when he looked for his disciples. Did Jesus look for the best of the best? When Jesus was looking for the people that would follow him, did he go and look for the greatest people in the world? No. He went to the fishermen. He went to the tax collectors. He went to those who maybe didn't make the cut, to those that didn't have a rabbi, to those that had studied very minimal in their lives. And now here's Jesus saying, I will be your rabbi. I choose you. And so this morning, like Moses, we need to realize that God chose us to spread his gospel. In Exodus 3, uh, going on to verse 13, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Moses is worried that these people are going to have questions, and he may not have the answers. This morning, I want you to remember that in evangelism, you may, never, you may not have all the answers, and that's okay. Nobody has every answer there is. It's okay to not be okay as a Christian. My dad has been preaching for 45 years, I think, and he doesn't have all the answers. I can't tell you how many times I've called him to ask him a question about the Bible, and he's like, let me get back to you. <laughs> he doesn't know right, right away, and that's okay. Part of the beauty of evangelism is learning it together, is studying the Bible together, putting our heads together, and finding out what God truly wants from us as a church. And so it's really important right here in, in Exodus 3.13 to realize that we may not have all the answers right away, and that's okay. If you'll turn over to chapter 4 of Exodus, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. Sorry, I read the wrong verse, my bad. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. People won't believe me. Moses was worried that people were not going to believe what he had to say. This morning, how many of us are worried that people aren't going to believe us as Christians? Before we worry about that, we need to ask ourselves, do we believe in God ourselves? Do we live our lives like we believe in God? I'm sure this morning, if I were to ask you to raise your hand if you believe that, that God is real, do you believe in God? Everyone would raise their hand. But how many of us live that way? How many of us, including myself, walk out of here and live every day like God is real and God is, is breathing everywhere and God is in this building? Sometimes I come to church, and like I said earlier, I'm a youth minister, and sometimes I come into church and I'm just dragging. You know, maybe my, my wife and I just had a son. Maybe he kept us up all night and we're just tired. And it seems like I don't want to be there. I need to work on that and realize that no matter how little sleep I got, God 
is pulling for me. God believes in me. God believes in all of us. We need to believe in him and by the way we live, show others Christ. Exodus 4, verse 10. Exodus 4, verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. This one's a big one. Moses is like, I'm not a great public speaker. I can't do this. No one will listen to me because I'm not a great speaker. Well, I'm here before you this morning to tell you for a fact that God can use you even if you're not the best speaker in the world. It doesn't matter how great, how grand, and, and, and how amazing your voice is or how amazing, um, how eloquent you are as a speaker. God will use you, I promise. This morning, some of us maybe are afraid to, to speak publicly because we may say something wrong. But this morning, if you will have passion and if you will be on fire for Christ, that will cover up a lot of mistakes you may have. Like earlier, I read the wrong verse in Exodus. But if you will just be excited about the fact that you're reading the Bible, people won't even realize it. I'll never forget the very first time I led a song. I led it way too high. It was like my voice hadn't dropped yet. <laughs> and so I led it super high and nobody could hit that high. Like it was bad. It was really bad. And so I was sad after I got done. I was like crying a little bit. And I'll never forget one of the elders came up to me and he was like, that was one of the best song services I've ever heard. Because I was excited. I was just happy to be there. And that covered up my mistake of leading it super high. And so this morning, if we will just be on fire and be happy to be here, it'll cover up some mistakes. We don't have to be the best speaker. We just need to be on fire for Christ. And last but not least, Exodus 4, verse 13. Exodus 4, verse 13. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Moses thought he wasn't qualified. This morning, you may not feel like you're qualified to evangelize, but I promise you, if you are a Christian, if you are doing your best, that is what God wants. God has made us qualified by calling us to do this. He has called each and every one of us. In Jeremiah chapter 1, if you'll turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. We are chosen. Sometimes we feel like we've done too much. We've seen too much. We've sinned too much. There's no way God can forgive us. There's no way that I'm good enough to do these things, to, to preach God's word. Everybody in here, as Christians, we are called, we are chosen. We need to step up. I need to step up more. I, I can be a better preacher. I can be a better minister. I can be a better father. I can be a better son. I think we all can relate to that. I think we can all do better and step up more. So we need to remember that even though we may have self-doubt, just like Moses, we can be amazing examples. We can be amazing evangelists, which leads me to my second point. 
A reason why we don't evangelize is sometimes because of fear. Because of fear. Fear of rejection is hard to overcome. A lot of us are afraid, including myself, of being rejected, of somebody not liking what I'm going to say. Standing out in a crowd is a lonely place to be. I don't know if y'all have ever experienced this, but you can be surrounded by people and feel like you're so alone because of what you believe. And you're surrounded by unbelievers. You're surrounded by darkness. But I will challenge you that that is when we need to be the brightest. That is when we need to challenge ourselves. My biggest fear is flying. All right? Um, if you've ever been on a flight with me, I don't, none of y'all have. I don't think Dee's has either. But every flight I go on, first off, I take like 10 Dramamine. I'm like a noodle just in a seat. And I have a Bible out, and I'm clutching it like this. And like, you know, I have a picture of my wife. I have a picture of, yeah, like right here. Yeah. I don't like flying. I do it a lot. I've flown a ton. And people that sit next to me are like, does this guy know something? I don't know. Like, what is this guy doing? But I'll tell you why I'm afraid of flying. So when I was 12 years old, a woman backed out of a mission trip to Peru. And so I went with my father to Peru. And the first flight is from Nashville. My first flight ever was from Nashville to Miami. And we're halfway to Miami. And the the little guy comes over the speaker and he's like, we're going to have some turbulence, you know? And as a kid, I was like, what is that? You know, what, what are we doing? And I thought the plane was going down. If you've ever been on a plane and there's turbulence, you're like, whatever, it's not a big deal. But as a 12 year old kid, first flight, it was pretty bad turbulence. And all of a sudden the plane drops. Okay. So the plane drops. I thought like, I felt like it was two hours, but it was like three seconds. And it was so bad, the flight attendants buckled in, which my dad said, that's not a good sign. And he leveled off. He fought. I get, it felt like he was fighting something on the plane. It was a weird feeling. And he leveled off, and then he said, we're going to have to make a landing in Tampa Bay, which was not where we were going. So we landed in Tampa Bay, and then we had to get on another plane because this one was broken. That's what we were told. We had to get on another plane and fly to Miami, and then to you know, it was... It was bad, so that's why I don't love to fly. But facing that fear was a big deal to me, and I will forever be grateful for the people that push me through that fear. Sometimes all it takes when we're afraid to evangelize is somebody to take us by the hand and say, you can do it. You can get on this plane, I promise. You can make it through anything. If that plane goes down, you are okay. <laughs> don't say that to people, but whatever happens, it's okay. So this morning, I don't know what you're afraid of, but I promise you it'll be okay. And I look at somebody, I want us to look at Paul real quick. Look at the life of Paul. Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. He was persecuting Christians right and left. If Paul, I'm sorry, if Saul had come into the church this morning, we'd be freaking out. He would be trying to pull us out into the streets and have us killed. But Saul was so good at that, God saw how good he was at persecuting Christians, and he used that to evangelize for Christ. But could you imagine Paul, after he had, after he had changed and turned into 
one of the greatest, if not the greatest evangelist. Could you imagine him going to churches where he had persecuted people's parents, grandparents? It would be like a convicted serial killer coming into the church this morning and sitting down in the back pew. You know what I would do? I'd be like pressing the button up here for security to remove him. Like, I would be, get, I'd be like, see ya, I'm out. Um, it would be scary for, to see that. And I hate that I even think that way, but Paul powered through and he became the greatest evangelist of all time. How much fear did he have to overcome to walk in and do that? It just blows my mind. It makes me feel good about the struggles I have and how I know I can overcome them. I can overcome them with God and with help from others. Paul couldn't have done it without encouragement. Paul couldn't have become who he became without people supporting him. If you'll turn over to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34. And we're going to read verses 4 through 5. Psalm 34, 4 through 5. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. Don't be ashamed that you hold the truth. Don't be ashamed that you have something as beautiful as this. Now, this Bible has been through a lot. <laughs> um, but I promise you, your Bible is a beautiful thing. It's something that is meant to be shared. So let's not be ashamed of the truth. Psalm 27, flip over just a few pages over to Psalm 27, verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Sometimes we like to put God in a box. We like to look at God as somebody that can be contained, that he can't understand what I'm going through. God doesn't understand. God can only do this. God can only help me with this. He can't possibly do this. Don't be ashamed. God can do anything. God is the ultimate being. He, he is above everything. He is amazing. God can overcome anything. That fear I had of flying, with God, it's nothing. With God, I can do anything. With God, flying shouldn't scare me because I know that no matter what happens on that flight, God is in control and God is with me. Second Timothy, Second Timothy verse 1, I mean, sorry, chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a power and love and discipline. God did not create us to be timid. God did not create us to just sit back and let things happen. We need to power through whatever you're afraid of this morning power through that fear and realize that God is rooting for us. God is our biggest fan. I used to think growing up that my mom was my biggest fan. 
Uh, she was one of those moms that would, at her football games, she would have like a shirt with my face on it and a little pin with a picture of me on it. And she was so loud. I just thought she was my biggest fan, but I was wrong. I know now that God is my biggest fan. God is pulling for each and every one of us to overcome our fear and to spread God's love across the earth. Last point, and then the lesson's yours. The thing that is ultimately, in my opinion, holding us back from evangelism is time. How many of y'all have a schedule that looks like this? Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Uh, we look at our schedules, our family schedules. There's no room. Our youth group, we get together, we put our heads together, and we try to build a calendar. Uh, it's something I like to do with our kids to make sure as many of them can go to stuff as possible. I know that not all kids can go to everything, that's fine. But when we sit down with their schedules, these kids are 9th grade, 10th grade, you know, all the way to 12th grade. Even our middle schoolers, they have no time. They're so busy. Our kids, from my point of view, are so busy. When they're not playing basketball or football or soccer, they're traveling somewhere to play it. If they're not playing at school, they're traveling to a different state to play ball. Um, they're so concerned about school, which I don't know what that feels like, but they are. They're so concerned about their grades, which is great, uh, but they're so busy studying. They're so busy going to this family and this family. I have several kids that have split families, so sometimes they're with their dads, sometimes they're with their moms, sometimes they're with their grandparents. Our schedules are so hectic that we are too busy. We are too busy. So I want you tonight, or whenever you can, to look at your schedule and not counting Sundays, okay? Look at how much time you spend evangelizing for Christ. Look at how much time you spend with Christ. Look at how much time you spend turning your phone off. This is a big one. Turning your phone off and just being still and praying. I can't tell you how long it's been since I've just turned my phone off and meditated on God's word. So this morning, I need this so much. I need to look, look at my schedule and reevaluate how I spend my time. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is for us to use our time wisely. And what does it look like for a Christian to use their time wisely? It looks like the center of our life needs to be the church. I'm going to sound like I'm 80 years old when I say this, but I miss when communities were centered around the church. I miss when there was a church, a country store, you know, a school, and then houses, and there's like a stop sign. You know, there were so many little towns that were just, the center of their life was church. When there was a snowstorm, the little old ladies would walk to church in the snow, you know, let me in. 
it blows me away how far we've gone from the, the church is the center of our life to maybe football is the center of our life. You know, Sunday, it's football day. No, it's the Lord's day. Today is my day. I'm going to just get on the, the lake. I'm going to fish, forget about everything. That's nice, but why don't we take those times while you're fishing, open your Bible, pray, um, talk. It's a great time. Talk to your kids about who made these fish, you know, who gave us the ability to be on this water this morning. There's a lot. I love sports. I love football. I love fishing. Use those times to bring people closer to God. Use sports. Sporting events is a great place to talk to people about sports, but then also work in like, hey, we're having a pizza night this Sunday. You should come, you know. It's a great way to evangelize. So I'm not saying that these things are bad that we fill our schedule with. We just need to remember to use those things that we fill our schedule with for Christ. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 18. While we look not at things which are seen, but as things which are not seen... For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's so easy for us as humans to just look at what's in front of us and think that that's what's important. It's easy for us to look at school and look at sports and, and look at those activities that we have and, and think that they're the most important thing. But what's most important is things that we can't see. My grandmother passed away my junior year of high school, and it was the toughest thing I had ever gone through. She was my best friend, she still is. But I'll never forget, when she passed away, it was on a Wednesday night, and I was at church, and my youth minister pulled me out of service, and he told me that my grandmother had passed away. In his, in his office, he told me about this. And I was shocked at first, and I turned around and there was Miss Paulette. Now Miss Paulette was one of my best friend's grandmothers. And she said, I'm gonna come to your games. I'm gonna be your grandmother now. And she just started crying, I started crying, we hugged. That meant the world to me. She didn't have to give this grand speech. She didn't have to do anything crazy, cook me a pie or something, which would be great. But she spent time with me. She took that time that my grandmother would have had, and she was there. And it's just a beautiful thing when we take time out of our day to be with one another as Christians and, and just to love one another. I think that shows evangelism the best is when we just spend time with one another. And the last verse that we're going to look at is in James. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. 
Only if the Lord wills do we have tomorrow. So focus on right now. I can't tell you how many times in church I've thought about, man, I gotta beat the, we gotta beat the Baptist to the Mexican restaurant. Like, I gotta get out of here, you know? And, and we get antsy in our, in our pews and, and we can't wait to go. But we need to remember that God is here. God is among us. Why do we wanna leave? Why do we wanna get out of here? This is where God's people are. Why do we want to leave so bad? Why do we want to spend our time elsewhere so bad? This is something I've asked myself. But the answer is God believes in us. God wants us to be the best evangelist for him, and that takes time. Life is a vapor. Life comes and goes. So let's use our time wisely for Christ. This morning... This morning, maybe you've struggled with evangelizing. I know I have. Maybe this morning you need the prayers of the church. Maybe you need encouragement. We all do. Maybe you have been thinking about baptism. Maybe you've been thinking about becoming a better evangelist through baptism and starting your journey as a Christian. Whatever you have this morning, whatever you're going through, please come now as together we stand and sing.